Proverbs 10 tonight, if you would. We're going to read together in unison verses 10 through 5 and verse 22. Proverbs chapter 10, verses 1 through 5 and verse number 22. Stand with me, if you would, as we read. The words are on the screen. If you'd like to join me in reading them there, if you prefer to read them from the text of Scripture, if you have it there, that's fine as well. But uh, once again, let's read tonight in unison. Proverbs 10, first five verses, and then we'll jump down to verse 22. Reading together. The Proverbs of Solomon. A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is heaviness of his mother. Treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivereth from death. The Lord will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish, but he casteth away the substance of the wicked. He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, But the hand of the diligent maketh rich. He that gathereth in summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causeth shame. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. Let's read that last verse one more time, verse 22. I just love it. That's how we're starting the message tonight and how we'll conclude. Reading verse 22. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. I'd like to speak tonight for a few moments on the real wealth. Let's pray together. Father, this evening, we're thankful that every good and perfect gift James tells us, comes from above. And Lord, we are thankful that you've put good gifts daily in our hands, and you've called us to be wise stewards. May we take these words that Solomon spoke to his son, may we apply them tonight to our marriages, to our ministries, and may your name be glorified through it all, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. South of us here in Nashville is a ministry that we know on the radio called Dave Ramsey. Uh, Sometimes when I'm out walking, I'll listen to Dave Ramsey's podcast. But I have to tell you that Dave Ramsey's ministry, if you want to call it that, his organization is not my favorite when it comes to financial management. I like to say that Dave Ramsey is basically prescriptive. What do I mean by that? He gives a prescription to get people out of debt. And in principle, that's very, very honorable. And if you've listened at all to any of his podcasts, when he get when they get to that point that someone's out of debt, then they call in and they give their name and everybody rejoices over the airwaves and they clap and they have a big time. But the ministry that deals with finance that I really like, I like not only the ministers there, but I love their lifestyle. It is the people at Crown Financial, a ministry that was founded years ago by a man named, his last name was Dayton, Howard Dayton. And this is what Howard Dayton said. There are approximately 500 verses in the Bible that deal with prayer. Now, we're here tonight because we as God's people at Bible Baptist, we believe in prayer. Amen? Amen. 
But he said, in contrast, there are over 2,350 verses in the Bible that deal with one's handling of money and possessions. Now, let me just say, when you start talking about prayer, boy, you get a lot of amens really quickly. But as a preacher, teacher of the Scripture, when you start talking about money, it gets quiet really fast. Because, hey, we all believe in prayer, but when it gets to money, wow, we are suddenly getting really close to home. We've all heard preachers say this, and this is the case, that Jesus spoke far more about hell than he did about heaven. But guess what? He spoke far more about money than he spoke about either. I want to speak to the dads here for just a moment and say this. I believe this with all my heart, that the greatest lesson you can teach your children outside of accepting Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and putting him first place in their lives is how to handle money. People who do not learn to handle money end up with heartache in marriage Ministries and pastors and people in ministry who don't handle money properly, and those stories abound, end up with heartaches in the churches and the organization because the management of money is so important. There are about warnings on everything today. There are warnings on airbags. There are warnings on cigarettes. I'm sure glad there are. This one makes me smile. My wife's telling me there are no warnings on diet soft drinks. So don't drink diet soft drinks. Don't drink diet soft drinks. Drink the the regular ones. Don't don't drink diet Pepsi. Drink Pepsi, you know. But but there are warnings about, and I don't quite understand all that, but I want to say this. There are not warnings, and there should be, on dollar bills. There should be warnings on fives. In tens, in twenties, in hundreds. There should be warnings on uh, stock certificates. There should be warnings on portfolio statements. Because money is something that can be so positive or so detrimental in our lives. It's been said that 90% of Americans know hardly anything about managing their money. No, I believe that. The average American knows a whole lot of... The average American man knows a ton about the NFL. He knows a ton about baseball. He knows a ton about his favorite pickups and all these types of things, but knows very little about finance. Solomon very powerfully, poignantly, spoke to his son and addressed two questions. Number one, what am I to do with money? And number two, he addressed the question, what will money do to you? Let me state those questions again. Number one, what are you to do with money? And number two, what will money do to you? As we continue our study tonight in Proverbs, in Wisdom for the Journey, we move topically, as we did last week when we looked at the matter of 
wine, and alcohol. We move topically through a number of verses in Proverbs as we look at Solomon's principles for fiscal success. Notice with me principle number one tonight, the principle of earning, the principle of earning. Now, if God expects us to take care of our families, and he does... Remember, Paul wrote to Timothy and basically said that the man who doesn't take care of his family is worse than an infidel, worse than the man who rejects God. If he expects us to do that, then he enables us to make money. Look at these verses with me tonight. Proverbs 10 and verse 4. Solomon said, He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. What's he contrasting there is in many of the Proverbs. Uh, There's something, my wife and I took a a bus tour, an ethnic bus tour, a number of years ago through Chicago. Now, I love Chicago. I've always told my wife, I could live in Chicago. I just like Chicago. She said, wow, it has tough winters. Oh, that's okay. I grew up in Minnesota. They're not as tough as Minnesota. But uh, now, now with, everything, with everything, all the crime and everything, you, you know, Chicago gets a bad rap. But it's still, still an amazing city. We took this all-day bus tour through all of the different ethnic neighborhoods. I remember going into a neighborhood with her in the bus, a beautiful tour bus, and basically we were scooting along, and man, people saw this beautiful tour bus. There were these old, burned-out cars sitting in the streets. I mean, the houses all run down. I didn't know there was any place like this in Chicago. Guys sitting all over, and man, when they saw a tour bus, they knew that people were coming by, and they had their cameras, and they're shooting out the bus and all that. Man, it made them mad. They're like, man, people coming through our neighborhood to see, the, see how we're poor, see our burned, out, our burned out cars in the street, and see our broken down houses. Man, they picked up stones. A couple guys threw stones and bounced them off the bus. I'm like, let's get out of here. <laughs> you know, man, the bus driver got out of there. But guess what? They personify Proverbs 10 and verse 4. He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand. What did Paul say when he wrote to the church of Thessalonica? If a guy's not going to work, don't let him eat. I have to tell you, we get all these people who come through here. And, uh, and, and, and Deidre talks to him. <laughs> Deidre says, Deidre's on the phone calling one of the men here in the staff. Hey, he said, we got another guest here, you know what I mean? Hey, we, we, we've learned. Uh, no, I'm not on the live stream here. So <laughs> We've learned, how to, we've learned how to defer them, you know what I mean? And that's it. We, we haven't fill out a sheet and, and write things down. I'm not saying there aren't genuine needs. We are to help people with genuine needs within, the, within our family. But may I just tell you, the Bible says there are also a lot of people who that, you know what, they're just not diligent, and they're poor as a result of not being diligent. Everyone's not poor. Jesus said you'll always have the poor with you, and not everyone who is poor manifest a lack of diligence. They may have health problems. They may have situations. They may have whatever. But that's not what Solomon's referring to in Proverbs chapter 10. Look at the next verse. The Bible says in Proverbs 12 and verse 11, he that tilleth his land shall be satisfied with bread, but he that followeth vain persons is void of understanding. Proverbs 13, 11, wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished. Hey, it's great to make a living, but make it justly. Make it honorably. But he that gathereth by labor shall increase. Proverbs twenty-eight nineteen. 
The Bible says, he that tilleth his land shall have plenty of bread, but he that followeth after vain persons shall have poverty enough. And then we leave Proverbs and this reminder where all wealth comes from in Deuteronomy chapter 8 in verse number 18. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. May I say we've forgotten that as a nation. Yeah, we're the land of the free and the home of the Cadillac. Wealthiest nation in the world. Do you hear many business people on the business stations giving glory to God for, for how we're coming through COVID and how the economy's staying strong? No, no, not on your life. They pat themselves on the back for all of their ingenious decisions. God says never forget. Your wealth comes from me. Oh, you see, I got out there and worked hard. Yeah, that's great. Who made it possible for us to work hard? God Almighty. It says that he may establish his covenant, which he swear under their fathers, as it is this day. Parents, one of the greatest lessons you can teach your children is how to work. Let me say this. When your children are young, let them learn to do things. Let them work without you paying them. Let them work for the fulfillment of working. We had some kids who helped us uh, uh, last Sunday with the meal. And we were in a staff meeting this week, and one of the staff members said, Pastor, I'd like to get gift cards and, and, and give them gift cards to thank them for working. I said, no. I said, we don't need to give the kids gift cards for helping us serve a meal. Kids need to learn to work And they need to learn to work in the house of God to serve God and not do it because you're you're compensating them. But when they get to a certain age, you figure out what's equitable and let them learn the fact that the labor is worthy of his hire and that they will be compensated. Now, we do fundraisers in our school. I'm just going to share with you here one of my pet peeves tonight. And, 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 and any of you who have children who've sent them to me or my wife, you know this. There's something I just detest. <laughs> I'm being transparent with you tonight. I just detest that when we have fundraisers and uh, uh, we're getting ready here to, to, to start selling the world's finest chocolates. Now, my wife and I basically, here are our two guidelines at home. We, we, we just say, hey, we will buy from... From the first child that comes to us. Whoever's going to come to us. But here's our second guideline. The child has to come, not mom or dad. Hey, I've had a number of moms come to me from our church and say, Hey, pastor, hey, we're doing so-and-so, and we're raising money for this, we're raising this. And, and, and basically, will, will you buy this for Susie? I say, I sure will, I sure will. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. But, but, but Susie has to come and talk to me. Mom, are you going to Hawaii? Oh, it's the seniors going to Hawaii. I thought the seniors were raising money. Oh, you're, you're, oh, you're, uh, Mama, you're selling chocolates? I thought the kiddos were selling chocolates. Well, I'm selling for the kiddos. No, no, no. Let's teach the kiddos to sell chocolates. Amen? Let's not go do the work for our children. 
Let's let them raise the money. Here's the thing. They'll raise, they'll raise far more money than, than mom and dad will anyway. Man, all I need is one of those little kids come to me and say, hey, you want to buy some chocolate? I'm like, yeah, yeah, well, we'll fill the trunk. <laughs> little kids are winsome. Who can say no to a little kid? You know, they go, Pastor, will you buy chocolates? Wow, well, many, like 50 bars. <laughs> you know, hey, listen, these kids are masterful. It's wonderful. Hey, great principle in Scripture. Very, very clear. A wise man talking to his son. Number one, the principle of earning. But number two, I want us to see tonight, the principle of giving. Yes, what do we do with it once we earn it? (laughs) You've heard me say this so many times. I just love this because it's the most beautiful illustration I've ever seen in my life for anybody to give it. It's when Don Sisko was here and he's up up, up on the pulpit talking about missions given and all this. And he said, hey, how are we as Americans? We're like, oh, Lord, oh, thank you, Lord. Yeah. Oh, Lord, thank you. Fill these hands up and go, oh, yeah, this is great. Oh, Lord, you're so good. Oh, yeah. Every good gift comes from above. Shh. Oh, man. Oh, Lord. oh, man, Lord, my pockets are getting so full. Got to put them in the back. Oh, Lord, thank you. Shh. No, he's saying, you know what it should be? Oh, yeah. Whew. Oh, Lord, thank you. Yeah, great. Oh, Lord, thank you. Principle of giving. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Now remember, when these verses were written, they the culture was primarily agrarian. What, what's the writer here saying in Proverbs 3? When the crop comes in, what's the first fruits? It's the first 10% right off the top. You don't do everything else, buy seed for the next year, and then hope, then just hope. Oh, boy, just hoping, Lord, I'm going to have the 10% at the end to give you. No, 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 no. You, you, you just, boo. He says, you give the Lord the cut right off the top. Yeah, that's great. The Lord's calling to affirm. <laughs> this is wonderful. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. <laughs> this is good. No. Hey, Jim, I just couldn't resist you. This is great. Okay. <laughs> uh, hey. You teach your children to give the first 10% to God. You teach them a great lesson. You may remember one Sunday morning when we were having stewardship month that, that, that basically I, I, I put three cups on the, on the front of the pulpit. And I told you that my dad was, was just of this staunch German mindset. But Biblical. But absolutely, just non-negotiating in this. First 10% went to God. So as a child, if I made 10 bucks on something, you'd get $10 from my, my, my Uncle Lee and, and Aunt Lydia. My dad would cash the bill at the store. The first dollar would go to God. That was the tithe. 
the second dollar would go into savings. And then we would figure out how he was going to let me spend the remaining eight dollars. I'm thankful that I had parents who taught me give the first fruits to God. Someone has said, and I like this, it's just so powerful. Our churches are filled with people who drink the milk of God's blessings. Isn't that us? Yeah, it is. Who eat the steak of God's goodness. Isn't that us? It sure is. Who enjoy the dessert of God's love. And then they won't even give God a 10% tip. You go to a restaurant where they wait on you and you give 10%, you know what they'll say? Waitresses will talk to each other. You know when they're, when they're behind the booth there where, where the cash register and everything is? You know what they'll say? They'll say, man, that guy's a tight one. Taiwan. Man, he comes and eats, and we wait on him. And man, everything they need. Oh, more ketchup, man, we run and get it. More mayonnaise, man, well, we run and get it. More, more special sauce, we run and get it. And, and then we, we come and keep their coffee full, and keep their beverage full, and keep the water full, and give them everything, everything. And then all they give us is 10%. God, there's a whole lot more for us than somebody waiting on us in a restaurant. Man. We'll go home tonight, drive home in our nice cars, and get home to our nice homes, and get in it. Oh, man, oh, it's a little warm in here tonight. Oh, man, we'll go walk over, hit the thermostat, and 10 minutes later, the house is all nice and cool. And you say, oh, I want to watch the news. And then you'll flip on the news, and then it'll all be in HD. And, 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 and then you'll get up in the morning and say, well, do I what, what, open the cupboard? What kind of cereal do I want today? Six different boxes sitting there. You can't decide which ones you want. Open the freezer. Can't decide if you want waffles or, or, or if you want whole wheat toast or what you want. Why? Because God gives us everything. We have good health. We have sunshine. We have rain. We have blessing. Then we, say, man, then we sit back and see his cause. Man, and that preacher wants us to give 10% to God. This preacher doesn't. God does. You tip a waitress. If you only give 10% to a waitress, we're cheap. Solomon said to his son, Tell you what God's going to do for you. He says, you honor God's son with this principle. God is going to fill your barns to overflowing. Do you believe it? I do. God says it. There's the principle of earning. There's the principle of giving. A number of years ago, Mark DeMoss wrote a little book called The Little Red Book of Wisdom. Now the DeMosses have built a huge building on the campus of Liberty University years ago. It bears their name. 
But he has a chapter in here called The Wisdom of Firsts. And I like this. I'm reading directly from this. He says, The most successful man I've ever known was my father, Arthur DeMoss. Aside from my own estimation of him, his innovations in direct response marketing of individual life and health insurance launched the National Liberty Corporation and its five companies. The little business he started at his kitchen table was when he died, only 20 years later, the largest mass marketer of individual life and health insurance in the world. He said his dad lived by this principle. Give the first hour of every day to God. Give the first day of every week to God. Give the first dime of every dollar to God. First fruits. Wow. He says, for whatever reason, most churchgoers overlook or choose to intentionally avoid the wise principle of giving. Of all of the Americans who donate to their churches, only 3 to 5% actually give a tenth of their income. Wow. He says, contrast that with John D. Rockefeller. The founder of Standard Oil, who died in 1937, in his lifetime, one of the world's richest business barons gave away the equivalent today of $5 billion. Rockefeller begins his story this way, quote, I had to begin work as a small boy to support my mother. My first wages amounted to $1.50 per week. The first week after I went to work, I took the 150 home to my mother. She held it in her lap and explained to me that she'd be happy if I'd give a tenth of it to the Lord. And I did from that day on. I have tithed every dollar since then that God has entrusted to me. And I want to say that if I had not tithed the first dollar I made, I would never have tithed the first million dollars I made. How many Christians say, well, pastor, if I just had a windfall, I'd tithe. Anybody who's pastored has had people say to them, pastor, if I win the lottery, I'll tithe on it. God doesn't want our money from the lottery. He wants us the first fruits. When we come into five dollars, he wants 10%. Great principles, huh? It's good stuff in the Word of God, isn't it? Yeah, number one, the principle of earning. Number two, the principle of giving. Number three, the principle of saving. Proverbs 6 8, the Bible says, Provideth her meat in the summer, and gathereth her food in the harvest. This is the picture of the end. In January of this year, January 22nd, 
it was declared by NC, uh, uh, CNBC that 59% of Americans could not cover a $400 emergency. Whoa. 59% of Americans, if they had an emergency, they'd cost them $400 or more. They would not have the liquid cash to cover it. Why? Because we know we're great spenders. That's what, that's what floats the American economy, of course, is the consumer. But the Bible tells us that the ant knows that the winter's coming and the ant saves and we should do the same. When I was in 10th grade, it was in the days in Minnesota, we had all this snow. And everybody was starting a snowmobile. Man, did I get the itch to snowmobile. So I went to Marv Davis, who owned the local Polaris shop, and set up a time when I knew my dad was going to go home, be at home, and I said, hey, will you bring one of those sleds by and and let my dad see it? So he came by, and my dad, I was out there, and my dad heard the snowmobile uh, out on the street, and he came out and and, uh, said, Greg, what's going on here? I said, hey, uh, Dad, I I had Marv Davis bring one of the sleds over. He said, well, why'd you do that? I said, well, I thought it'd be nice if we looked at it. Well, I could tell right away he was not nearly as interested as I was. <laughs> so Marv picked up on that, and he said, hey, Ed, you want to ride? My dad didn't really want a ride, but he jumped on the back of this thing, didn't have a stocking cap on or anything. Man, woo, man, he went over the snowbank and <laughs> took off. And, you know, he got back, and my dad was like, hey, Greg, let's go in the house here. You know what I mean? And uh, I said, Dad, will you buy a snowmobile? I said, man, the Kuntz's got snowmobiles. Tom's got one. His mom and dad bought him one. And the Simpsons have them. And the Sorensons have them. And the Cunninghams have them. And I said, man, dad, I just love to ride a snowmobile. He said, no, Greg. I'm not buying a snowmobile. I said, okay. Some time went by, and I was with other guys snowmobiling and going out and riding with them and riding on their sleds. And my dad sat down with me and said, hey, I've been thinking about this. If you want a snowmobile, here's what I want you to do. Can we get one up to this price, not to exceed this price? I said, oh, yeah, Dad, I think we can. Now, it won't be one of the great big motor. It won't go as fast as I'd like, but, yeah, you know, we can get one for that. He said, well, then, hey, Greg, here's what we're going to do. I'll pay half, and I'll give you the half at the point that you earn the first half. Now, he said, you go price an amount. I said, Mel Carlson Chevrolet. Man, not only sold new Chevrolets, he sold, he sold Polaris snowmobiles. I said, yeah, Dad, I'll go look it out. I'll go, go, I'll, I'll go price it out. And, and, and so basically came back and told him what it was, and, and uh, I said, hey, will you give me a loan for the half? And I'll pay you back. You'll get the snowmobile fat. No, he said, no, 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 no. He says, I told you, you got to save for the half. I said, Dad, will you go and get a loan at the bank for me? And I'll, you know, I'll pay the bank through you. But no, 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 no. He said, I told you, you're going to save the half. Man, I worked and worked and worked and worked. Finally, it was a year the next summer the middle of the summer, that I came up with my half. 
So my dad said, okay, let's go down to Mel's and, and, and look at the snowmobile. We went down and looked at the snowmobile, and basically I found the sled that I wanted, uh, Polaris TX, air-cooled. Uh, man, couldn't, couldn't wait. Man, he put it on the stand, you know, and put it up and open it. And it you know, it's 90 degrees outside and all that, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I can't, I just can't wait. And so he says, he said, we'll keep it here until winter comes and then we'll deliver it. I said, no, 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 no. Can we, can we bring it home, Dad? Put it in the garage? Yeah, yeah, we can bring it home, put it in the garage. So, man, I go out and look at that snowmobile. Couldn't wait till the snow came. My dad said, now, part of the deal, you're going to take care of the maintenance, you're going to buy the gas, you're going to do all this. I said, well, okay, okay. I thought that would be easy. Until the snow came, I started driving. Man, that thing took a lot of gas. <laughs> But I did tell you what. It was a great experience. But you know what? He made me save to get that first half. I have to tell you something. I loved the snowmobiling. Snowmobiled for years with that sled until I met my wife and started studying for the ministry. Sold the snowmobile. Wasn't worth much at that point. I'd ridden it for years. Came back to my dad and said, Hey, Dad, you want half the money? No, no. He said, It's yours, Craig. It's your snowmobile. It's your money. I never bought another snowmobile. I think when I see my dad in heaven, he's going to put a big smile on his face and he's going to say, Hey, Greg, did you ever buy another snowmobile? I'm going to say, No. You know what cured me? Saving to pay half of it. It taught me what things really cost. What I really learned through that is I wanted a snowmobile if dad was going to pay it. I look at kids today, man, they got all-terrain vehicles. Mom and dad just feel like, oh, man, for our children to be happy, they just got to have everything. No, they don't have to have everything. They have mom and dad, a home that loves them. They don't need all that stuff. We're like, oh, we just got to buy it all for them. They just got to have it. Let them save and buy it. They're not going to want half as much when they're paying for it. Solomon said to his son, you need to understand the principle of earning, the principle of giving, the principle of saving, the principle of borrowing. Proverbs 22, 7, the rich ruleth over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. You say, Pastor, does that mean you can never borrow? No, it doesn't mean that. It's not a condemnation against borrowing. In, a, in the Psalms, the psalmist said that the wicked borroweth and doesn't repay. But let me just give you a few guidelines regarding debt. Debt's wrong when it's beyond your ability to pay on a timely basis. Debt's wrong when it prevents you from giving to, to God what's right. Debt is wrong when the burden is so great you cannot save for the future. Debt is wrong if it puts your family under financial pressure. Oh, no pressure greater than financial pressure. Anybody who's pastored and dealt with people knows that financial pressure is a pressure that turns people inside out. 
Debt is wrong when it's used to pay for the luxuries of life. Debt is wrong if it's generated, as we already saw in an earlier study, by co-signing for a note. Moving quickly. The principle of relating. Proverbs 22.1. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. What? Yeah. And loving favor rather than silver and gold? A good name. Solomon told his son, it's invaluable. How do you get a good name? By relating properly to God and relating to people consistently over time. But last of all, the principle of enjoying. Proverbs 13, verse 7. There is that maketh himself rich, yet hath nothing. Yeah, you've known people who have everything, and yet they're miserable. There is that maketh him poor, yet hath great riches. Proverbs fifteen sixteen. Better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. And then, of course, this one in the New Testament. 1 Timothy 6, 6 to 9. But godliness with contentment. Are are Americans contented? No. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 7 says, For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. They that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. One last verse and we're done. The Bible says in Luke chapter 16 and verse 8, Jesus speaking said, when he was talking about The unjust steward. I think we have that verse there, Dr. Hoffman. Luke 16 and verse 8. Um, And the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. And look at this phrase and we close with it. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. I close with this illustration. On the 28th of August, an article ran in the Wall Street Journal. It had a title like this. Warren Buffett and his $300,000 haircut. And this is what the article said. This Sunday, Warren Buffett turns 90. The chairman of Berkshire Hathaway is one of the most successful investors of all time. He has amassed a net worth of $82 billion. Nearly 90% of that was accrued after the age of 65. From the earliest age, Buffett understood that building wealth depends as much on how your money grows how long it grows. 
It goes on to say that when he was 10, he read a book that if you took $1,000 and you invested it for 10% for 10 years, this is what it would be worth. 20 years, what it would be worth. 30 years, what would it be worth. 40 years, what it would be worth. 50 years, what it would be worth. And his story is told in a biography called The Snowball. He bought his house in Omaha in the late 20s for $31,500. He lives in the same house. His friends and family regularly heard the young Buffett mutter things like, do I really want to spend 300000 for this haircut? Listen carefully and I'm done. He learned the power compound interest. Now, it's very simple. I tell our young guys who are here in the summer when they're interns, the day may come in our country when you won't have Social Security. In the ministry, you're not going to be paid a pension. There's no fun for independent Baptists like there are for, for denominational pastors. There's no such creature. But if you in your 20s start setting aside, in fact, a very, what would be a very small amount of money and not touch it for anything. Don't touch it when the transmission of your car goes out. Leave it and you leave it and you let it compound until you're ready to retire. You won't need a denominational pension fund. I was sharing this with Roger before our service. I said this article by Buffett proves what Jesus was saying, that the children of Mammon, you know what Buffett is? He's a, he's a children of Mammon. He's a child of Mammon. As Roger said, Pastor, at 90, still getting up in the morning, how can I make more? Got 82 billion, but you know what? At 90, he's still working hard because 82 billion isn't enough. He wants 83. He wants 84. He wants 85 billion. But you know what? The law of compound interest isn't just for Buffett. It's for God's people, too. Roger said to me, Pastor, compounding either works for you or against you. Meaning you're either saving and enjoying the compounding or you're going in debt and the debt's compounding against you. One way. Or the other. The Bible's wonderful. I close with this tonight. Elvis Presley had a stepbrother and a uh, pastor was interviewing him. He said, tell, tell me what it was like when Elvis died. He said, well, everybody wanted to know from our family how much did he leave behind? He says, well, tell us. How much did he leave behind? Guy lit up with a big smile and said, he left it all. He left it all. Solomon said, son, 
be wise in this world. Be wise with alcohol. Be wise in relationships. Be wise in marriage. But you know what else he said? Be wise with money. You know what I think we should do as a church? I think we should say, God help us in the world in which we live to teach our children sound doctrine. Amen? Teach them to be men and women of prayer. Amen? But teach them also sound principles of stewardship. Amen? Amen. Stand with me for prayer. Father, tonight, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for its clarity. Thank you, Lord, for the result that comes into the lives of all those who hear it, receive it, and obey it. May we be those people tonight, I pray. Dismiss us with your blessing. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. God bless you, and good night.